Psalm 110. Scripture reading, Psalm 100. I mean, Scripture. Psalm 100 is the text where the sermon will be based. Psalm 100. Hear the word of our God. A psalm of praise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Amen. Let us come before our Lord. Goes again to Psalm 100, where the sermon is based, and as you open your Bible again... Let me give you the title of the message, which is The Joy of Adoring God and Giving Thanks to Him. The Joy of Adoring God and Giving Thanks to Him. Psalm 100. A psalm of praise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Amen. Let us pray once again. Father, help us. Open our eyes so that we can see the wonders of the gospel. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This psalm begins with the title, A Psalm of Praise or A Psalm of Thanksgiving. And I think... True joy and thanksgiving go hand in hand. In fact, a joyful heart is a thankful heart. And we will see that in this passage with two points. First, the climax of joy. And second... The cornerstone of joy. First, the climax of joy. We're going to read this psalm in a different way. It's not wrong for you to to read from the top to bottom. But I want you to read with me in the parallel fashion. Okay? The parallel, the verses will be read in parallel. The verses 1 and 2, you have three imperatives. In, verses, in verse 4, we have another three imperatives. And then in verse 3, 
you have the seventh imperative, which makes verse 3 a parallel with verse 5. Now let's see the first three imperatives in verses 1 and 2 in parallel with verse 4. And we'll see the significance of that reading. Go with me, for example, to verse 2, part B. It says this, Come before His presence with singing. So he's saying, the imperative is, Come, come to the temple, come to the palace of God. How? With singing or with joy. It could be translated both ways. And then verse 4, part A, has the same verb of verse 2, part B. Is the verb come before or enter? It's translated in a different, different way here, but it's the same one. That's why it's a parallel. So it says in verse 4, Enter into his gates with what? With thanksgiving. So the point here is, you have your heart filled with joy, with satisfaction and delight, and then you express it, express it with thanksgiving. What you feel inside has to come out. That's the principle behind this parallel. You come before Him, you enter into His gates, into the temple, into His presence, and what you feel inside has to come out in thanksgiving. You see the same thing now with verse 2, part A now. It says, serve the Lord with what? Again, with gladness. See the emphasis of joy? With gladness. Here the parallel with verse 4, part B. is the same thing. And into his guard with praise, be thankful unto him. See the imperative? Be thankful. So you come and serve him with gladness. And what you feel inside, the joy, the gladness in your heart, that must go out. That must to be put out in thanksgiving. So you have, what you have inside, you have to put it out. You cannot keep it to yourself. You cannot contain it in yourself. It has to go out in thanksgiving. So the pleasure, the delight, the joy that you have for your God must be spoken out. The same thing now in verse 1. Another imperative. See in verse 1, see the same pattern. Make a what? A joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Another imperative, right? See the, imper- the, the parallel in verse 4, part C. Bless his name. It's the same principle. What you feel inside, the joyful heart that you have, you must demonstrate it. You must show. You must to put it out. How? Blessing His name. Being thankful. Giving thanks to Him. And praising His name. You see now the climax of joy here? The joy of adoring God and giving thanks to Him? You see the climax of that joy can you now figure out what that is 
It's so clear, isn't it? I think it is. I think what the psalmist is teaching us here is that the apex or the climax of joy is praise, is thanksgiving. Because what you feel inside is spontaneously has to come out. You have to, you have to speak it out. You have, you have to demonstrate and show what you are experiencing of delight, of pleasure, of joy, of gladness. It has to overflow out of your heart through your lips in praise and thanksgiving. Well, I think the one who expressed this so well is C.S. Lewis. as an application for all of us. In his book about the Psalms, he says this, I had never noticed that all enjoyment is spontaneously overflows into praise and thanksgiving. The world rings with praise, right? Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game. Isn't that true? Everything that you like, that you delight in, that you have pleasure with, it has to come out. You're going to say something. You're going to praise that thing that you are enjoying. That's natural to us. Then he says this, that I think it's so important in his application for all of us. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise and the thanksgiving not merely expresses, which is true, but completes the enjoyment. Do you see? It is, in it's appointed consummation. The delight is incomplete till is expressed. This is so true, and I think we see this in the song. What you feel inside, the gladness, the joy, the pleasure, the delight that you feel, you have to speak it out. You have to put it out. You have to demonstrate it. Now you see that all the time when you see a beautiful painting, a gorgeous sight, or a game that you're seeing, or someone that you like. When you are in the presence of beauty or something that brings joy into your heart, you don't keep it to yourself. You speak it out. You praise it. You give thanks. If that is true about our daily lives, our common, common things in our lives, how much so about your God, about my God, who did everything for us? So let me apply it another way. The climax of this joy, which is thanksgiving and praising. You cannot live without joy. You hear me? Because the text says... All he lands, all the nations, all the world come. He's calling everyone in the whole world to do this. To come before him and to express their thanksgiving because they are delighting in God. Because God does not need your worship or your praise or your thanksgiving. He deserves it, but he doesn't need it. 
You need to worship Him. You need to delight in Him. You need to give thanks to Him. Because you cannot live without joy. And because of that, you cannot live without worship and without thanksgiving either. If you, if you see someone without joy, I don't like anything. I don't delight in anything. That person is in danger, isn't it? Isn't he? Isn't she? You cannot live without joy. And if joy and thanksgiving and praise are connected, the climax of joy is praise and thanksgiving. And you cannot live without it. I think we as Christians, many times, we live in practical atheism, you know. Because the opposite is true as well. When when you don't have joy in God, delight in God, when you don't have gladness to be in His presence, that means you will not express it in your thanksgiving, in your praise, in your worship to Him. Your mouth will not be open because your heart is not open to see His beauty and to be joyful before Him and delighted in Him. It's a kind of practical atheism, you see? Not having joy in God. And this morning, it's for us to remember all the things that God has done for us. And who He is for us. And to have a climax of joy. Because we delight in Him. Yes, the joy of adoring God and giving thanks to Him. We saw first the climax of joy. Second and lastly, the cornerstone of all joy. The cornerstone of all joy. Now I see another parallel, verses 3 and 5. We saw verses 1 and 2 with 4. Now verses 3 with verse 5. It's so easy to see the parallel there. Because you see the last imperative that we're going to see is verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. So verse 3, the imperative is... You have to know God. It's the knowledge of God. You see, it's theology. And in verse 5, he's going to give us attributes of that God that you should know. You should know that God. And in verse 5, he's going to tell us that he is good, that his mercy is everlasting, and that his truth endures to all generations. You see, it's so clear in the text. The parallel is so crystal clear. And here is the point. The joy of adoring God and giving thanks to Him is the cornerstone of all joy is the knowledge of God. He is the source, the foundation of all joy that you experience in life. It's to know Him. Theology is the basis for the joy and happiness that we seek after. Let me let's, let us unpack each part of verse three in and five here. First thing is to see that he is the cornerstone of joy. That the 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 claim here is that Lord is God. The Lord is God. Yahweh is God. Isn't it obvious when I read this? Say, of course, the Lord. The covenant name of our God. He is God. 
You read the scripture, you know all of that. Why, are we, why is there? Why is that, that information there? Why? Because of this. And here's another application. The more value of the object of our worship and satisfaction, the more intense is the enjoyment that you will experience. The more value of the object of your satisfaction and worship, the more intense is the enjoyment that you are experiencing. Let me try to illustrate this. I like to play with dogs. I value dogs to play with them. To go walk with them. It's pretty good. It's very nice. It gives me pleasure. Because I value their company. To be with them. So I value that animal. And that value, the more I value that animal, the more intense is my pleasure and enjoyment with that animal. If that is true about an animal, can you imagine with my kids? Because I value much more my kids to be with them, to play with them, to be around them, the more intense is my enjoyment with them than, their, than with the dog. Well, with, if that is true with an animal, if that is true with my kids even more, can you imagine with the infinite, amazing, in value, creator of the universe? That's the truth here. The Lord is God because there is, no, there is no one like Him. His value is infinite. And what you see here is a taste, a little bit of taste of what heaven is all about. Can you imagine you without sin, without transgression, anything that separates you to have a perfect praise that you're going to value your Creator, your Redeemer, your God in the most perfect way the more you value him and see who he is the more intense will be your pleasure in him and that is heaven that is what heaven is all about that's what you're looking for in this world and only you can find the Lord who is God the more we value the object of our satisfaction and worship, which is God, the more intense will be your worship. Isn't it about the Trinity? When you see about the Trinity, it's wonderful. If we let the New Testament to shed light here, in this text, we see how big this is and how He is the cornerstone of all joy. The Trinity is Yahweh. The Lord is God. The word Lord is applied in the New Testament to all the three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And when we contemplate that truth, we see that they enjoy each other. Remember that in the baptism of Jesus Christ? When the voice came from heaven saying, This is my Son in whom I have pleasure. I am well pleased. The Father having pleasure in the Son. And what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down on the Son. As you know in Galatians chapter 5. One of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Joy. So you see is the Father 
having joy upon the Son, with the Son, and the Son, with the Spirit, the Spirit, with the Son, and the Father. And that relationship overflows into His creation and into us. That's why the Lord is God, is the basis and foundation of all joy and satisfaction and thanksgiving. It's pure joy. But also the text says that the Lord is creator. It says, Know ye ye that the Lord is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. He is the creator of everything. Now, children, can you explain to me why do you taste food? Because God could create a food just like water that just have to eat to have energy and to live without any pleasure of tasting the flavors of the fruits, for example. But when God created everything with the garden and put Adam and Eve there, He said, you can eat from every tree except one. Go ahead and have pleasure and delight in all the flavor that I created for you. And when you go and see the world, isn't it beautiful? When I come here from Brazil, you don't have that kind of seasons that you guys have, you guys have here. I mean, the, uh, the fall is so beautiful, so many colors. Our God as creator, he created pleasure so that you and I can delight in things that he created for us. So that we, have, we can have joy. So that we can have pleasure and delight in things, you see. That's why I think he put it, he is our God creator. And we did not create ourselves. So that we have pleasure in our families, in our spouses, in our jobs, in our daily lives, in, in common things. But here's the problem, there's application for all of us. He is the foundation and cornerstone of everything created to give us pleasure. But the problem is, those things created are just signposts. They are just pointing to the ultimate pleasure of all. But our hearts, our sinful hearts, confusing things. And that's why we don't give thanks to Him, because He is the cornerstone of everything. Our hearts have the tendency to confuse what is the ultimate and origin of joy with finite things. And we are in big trouble. Let me read again in another book by C.S. Lewis. He's so good. And English is my second language, so he's going to say it better than I do. It says this in uh, Wit of Glory. The books or the music in which we thought the beauty or the pleasure was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them. See now, it's beautiful. It only came through them. And what came through them was what? Was longing, desire. If they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent, the smell of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard. 
the news from a country we have never yet visited. That's exactly why he is the creator. The created things are just signposts pointing so that we can see through them, so that we can worship and have pleasure. The ultimate object of our worship, God himself, our creator. And then give thanks to him because of that. To have our hearts filled with thankfulness and then show up in our daily lives and in the church. The delight in the Lord outshines all other pleasure. The joy in the Lord surpasses all other created joy and satisfaction. That's the call for this morning for you, brother and sister. But there's more. Because the psalmist doesn't stop there. The Lord is not only our God. The Lord is not only our creator. But he says that we are God's people. Because he could be all of that and we'd be so far away from him. But he's saying to you this morning, no, you, you are his special people. It says there, right? Verse 3, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It's the language of the covenant, right? I am your God and you are my people, says the Lord. Is the language of covenant, of marriage, of pact, of loyalty. Know that we are his people. And I think this, the cornerstone of all joy is the knowledge that we are his people. Because covenant relationship is the fuel for happiness in him. Our relationship with Him and our relationship with each other as His people. As His covenant people. That's the feel for happiness and satisfaction. And then as a result, the thanksgiving to Him. Because admiration produces desire to praise the person we admire. And we invite others to admire with us. Together. As a people. That's why he's saying, all lands, all people, all nations, come. Let us worship this God. Let us be thankful for Him and to Him. Come. It's a kind of relationship that feels we call in each other as His people to worship Him. Because He is our God. Because He saved us. And he is our spouse. Oh, we do that all the time, right? Yes. We do that all the time. All the time. Let me quote again C.S. Lewis. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't that she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist is telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they are care of, of what they care about. Yes, we do that all the time. When you, are, when you are hearing a joke and you find it funny, you don't keep it to yourself. You call others. Let's see. Isn't it funny? Look, and you have fun with that person. 
We see that with sports kids, don't you? The World Cup, I promise you, I like uh, soccer and, and, uh, and, and soccer games, right? And can you imagine Brazil praying against uh, Argentina? And Brazil scores. And there's a guy there in Brazil like this. For sure, that guy's from Argentina, right? Because we go crazy and screaming, hugging each other and praising and giving thanks and say, wow, let's go celebrate. We do that spontaneously. We call each other to do the same. If we do that in our daily basis, why can't we do with our most important person for us, God, who saved us? And redeemed us. But the text says more. The Lord is not only our God. The Lord is not only our creator. We are not only God's people. It says that we are the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is our shepherd. He is our shepherd. Maybe you came this morning. And you are thinking, I don't have anything to, to thank. You don't know my life. I've been experiencing so many terrible things. How can we talk about joy and give thanks to God when my life is a mess? When my life is a hurricane of problems? We just came, it's been two years of a pandemic. A war just broke out recently. Inflation and so many problems. How can we be thankful? I don't feel thankful. With all the suffering and all the problems. How can I praise God because I'm thankful? Because I feel joy. I don't feel joy with that kind of suffering. Oh. If you are reading through the Psalms, from Psalm 1 until Psalm 100, you have to go through Psalm 23, right? Yes, you do. You have, pass, you have to pass Psalm 23. That says this. E, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. As my shepherd. As my redeemer. And thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. You see. He is our shepherd. No matter what happens in our lives. Even if we go to the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil because he is my shepherd and he is with me no matter what. And that is the basis, the cornerstone of my joy and my delight and my pleasure. And that is why I can give thanks to him. You know what? There is a really tiny, thin line. A thin line between comedy and tragedy. Right? Very, very thin line between comedy and tragedy. As you can see, for example, with Robin Williams. We are trying to 
cover our sadness, our suffering, our tears with fig leaves in this world. With things that we can give comfort to us, but, but it's temporary, it's shallow. One day you have it, another day is gone. And we try to, to cover ourselves and try to, to fill a hole in our hearts. But we can't do with the things of this world. To soothe our pain and our suffering. And you have a guy like that, like Robin Williams, making everybody laugh better. But there was a hole inside of his heart that nothing in this world could solve it. But here in the Psalms, you have the honesty that the basis for joy is God. That no matter what you're going through in your life, you know that He's using that suffering, that pain, that tears that you went through this year. So that you can find joy ultimately, not in the things, not in created things, but in God Himself. And that is why you are here this morning to give thanks to Him. Because you know that He never abandoned you. He never forsake you. And He will be always with you as your shepherd. Comforting you with His rod and His staff. Do you believe that, Christian? Do you? Do I believe it? And then you can sing. Yes. You can sing in your lament. You can, you can have joy in your lament. You have, can... Give praises in your pain. Just like the psalmist here. How long, O oh Lord, how long? I cannot endure anymore. But I have pleasure in, in you. And that is all that matters. Nothing else. There's only you and only you that I can depend upon. Because you are my shepherd. And here how is I want to end. How can we see the ultimate figure of God being our shepherd. The ultimate picture and reality that He is our shepherd. And we shall not want anything, no matter what we go through. It's because of verse 5 that the Lord is good. That the Lord, His mercy is everlasting. His covenant love that's what mercy means here his covenant love is eternal and his truth his trustworthiness his faithfulness endureth unto all generations that's who he is christian that's your god that's your shepherd that's who he is this Attributes you find in Exodus 33 and 34 when the people had sinned against God with the golden calf. Remember? And Moses asked, be with us. Show yourself. I want you to see your glory. Don't leave us. Be with us. Tabernacle among us and go with us. And God said, okay, I'll go with you. But you cannot see my face because if you see my face and my glory, you're gone, Moses. But I'm going to show you, that's the same word that you find here. I'm going to show you my goodness, that I am good. And then you know the story, right? In verse 34, in chapter 34, Exodus, put Moses in the rock. Then he covers Moses, and then he 
could not show his face, but he shows his back. And then in verse 34, he verbalizes. God verbalizes his goodness. He verbalizes his glory, his back, as it were. And then it says the same things that you see here, that God, the Lord, he is merciful. It's the same word here. I'm covenant love. And his truth endures forever. His truth. So this same words that you find here in Psalm 100, you see that. When he verbalizes his glory to Moses, what is the reaction of Moses? He bows down and he worships him. He gives thanks to him. He praises him. When he has a glimpse of his shepherd, of who he is. Moses saw the back of God. But this morning, Christians, this morning, you have the privilege to see right in the face of God. Because in John chapter 1, verse 14, going back to that text of the Exodus, and even making reference of Psalm 100, I think, is, and the word became flesh. And what? And tabernacled among us. Full of what? Full of this grace and truth. And what? And we, and we what? And we beheld what? His glory. Glory of the one who was begotten, is begotten of God. In Christ Jesus is exactly what you see. Because on the cross, how do you see the glory of God that Moses just saw the back of God? Because on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? He cried out like that so that you could be certain, Christian, to have assurance that you will be always with God as your shepherd. You know that He loved you so much. You know His goodness. You know His mercy. You know His trustworthy, all His promises right there on that cross so that you'll be certain that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what you go through, He will never forsake you and He will never abandon you because on that cross, your Savior experienced the abandonment of God the Father so that you will be with Him forevermore. What a truth. What a goodness. What a faithfulness. That's the glory of God. That's the cornerstone of our joy. That you can now, this morning, can give thanks to Him. To be filled with your heart with delight and pleasure and joy. What a God we have. What a Savior we have. What a Redeemer we have. I don't have anything to do but to worship Him and to praise Him and to say how thankful I am to you no matter what happens in my life because I know you gave us your best, your only begotten Son. You did not spare Him so that I can have you forever. What else do you want to be thankful this morning? What else? But sing with the Puritan John Newton when he wrote this poem, Our Pleasure or joy, and our duty, though opposite before, right? We think that religiosity is so 
boring, so tedious to go to church, it's so boring. No children, no young people. There's nothing better than going to church and to worship the one who created you and saved you. There's nothing better. But our filthy, sinful heart says our pleasure and our duty, they're opposite. No, the text says, serve the Lord, you see? To serve the Lord with what? With gladness. They go together. To serve, to work for Him, it's our pleasure. So that's why it says here, John Newton, our pleasure and our duty. The opposite before. Since we have seen His beauty, His joy, are joined to, to part no more. It is, our, it is our highest pleasure, no less than duty's call, to love Him beyond measure and serve Him with our all. And so that we can pray just like a, one period in prayer in that book, Valley of Vision. What a beautiful prayer. When I read that, I was so amazed by it. And I hope that is your thought right now and mine as well. When he prayed like this. To God. In Him, he's saying, in Jesus, in Him, O God, in Him, Thou, God, has given me so much that heaven can give no more. Can you pray like that this morning? Let me say that again. In Christ, in Him, Thou has given me so much that heaven can give no more. And when we do so, we can sing with David in Psalm 23, my cup overflows. Yes. My cup overflows when I contemplate the gospel. It overflows with thanksgiving. This is thanksgiving. Let us pray together. Father, help us, please. Please give us thine spirit and fill our hearts. Fill our hearts with your life, with your joy, with your gladness. Please give us eyes to see how great thou art. So that we can truly give thanks to Thee. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.